Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. I just knew that this was going to work, like the science was right. It was, again, it was just one of those moments of eureka moment. You know, I had been searching for something to treat acne with. So I had this massive group of people that needed the treatment and here's the treatment and I'm like oh my god so I literally I flew to Korea Dr. Philippa McCaffrey started her career journey as a general practitioner turned hospital administrator not the most common pathway for an entrepreneur but after several grueling years in both the public and private health system in Sydney including managing and guiding a private hospital through painful voluntary administration and then a sale process, Dr. McCaffrey decided to put her considerable medical training, research and managerial skills to work for herself. She began by buying a small suburban laser hair removal clinic in Sydney's East in 1999. Now this at a time when no one had really heard of the use of lasers to remove body hair. But very quickly, she realised she'd hit on a sweet spot with the massive wave of cosmetic skin treatments about to wash right over Australia. Together with her now partner, Alana Longes, Philippa McCaffrey founded what would become Clear Skin Care Clinics, offering non-surgical treatments like laser hair removal, acne and scarring treatments, skin rejuvenation and cosmetic injectables. The pair built it from the original one to 45 clinics in Australia and New Zealand. Along the way, Dr McCaffrey developed her own skincare product range as well. It was so successful, Clear Skin Care Clinics was sold to the ASX-listed Australian Pharmaceutical Industries, the owner of Priceline Pharmacies, in mid-2018 for almost $130 million. Please enjoy part one of our chat. Dr. Philippa McCaffrey and Alana Longes, thank you so much for joining me on Build It, Thou Come. Thanks, Helen. Thanks for having us. Philippa, can I start with you first? You started out on your cosmetic journey, what, something like 20, 21 years ago? How did that begin? So I'm, I'm a doctor. I worked in general practice for a really short time and didn't really enjoy it very much. And I went back and did a Master of Public Health, and that's a degree that allows you to either go into epidemiology, which obviously would be very relevant today, tropical medicine, or public health. And so I chose the public health route, and for the next 20 years I spent in hospitals, in various management positions, and then that was in the public sector. Then I went to the private sector and built a hospital, which was an incredible experience. Then I very, very briefly went back into general practice and realised that it wasn't for me for exactly the same reasons as it hadn't been for me 20 years earlier. And I took a job as a consultant to a very small private hospital in the south of Sydney and in the process discovered that the hospital was going broke. So I spent a year with insolvency, lawyers, the credit department of the bank, which you never, ever, ever want to spend time with, (laughs) and took it through voluntary administration and sold it to an American healthcare company. So that year of work, I probably learned more about 
what to do, but more importantly, what not to do in business than the whole 20 years prior where I'd been an administrator. So there's a lot, a huge difference between administering something and managing it. And so by the end of that experience, I said, I want to work for myself. I don't want to work for anyone else anymore. So I was looking for a business to buy and purely by chance, a laser clinic, which was a high-end beauty clinic originally and had gone into laser hair removal, came up for sale. And it was a world that I knew very little about. So I did a bit of research and thought, this is really interesting. I can run a little women's health practice within this clinic. And and That's then, extraordinary. So yeah. we, did you actually sort of think, I'm going to look for a shop, a retailer, a clinic? I wanted to look for a business that made money because when I worked in the private sector of hospitals at that time, they were all going broke yeah. because they had no margin. So the first thing I realised was I needed to buy a business that had a margin. So you quickly understood what margin meant yes, and how it actually works yes. in an operation. Yeah. And that is, that's your buffer between... Well, as someone once said, you've got to be able to sell it for more than you it costs you to dig it out of the ground. And that really stuck in my brain that it's no good running break-even businesses. And Alana and I have had a lot of experience <laughs> over the last 20 years running break-even <sighs> businesses and it's soul-destroying. Yeah. And look again, you know, it was incredible timing. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was literally getting in right at the start. At the start of the cosmetic boom. Really? So this was when did you So this is 1999. I bought a high-end beauty clinic that had started in 1995. It had been the first clinic to do a treatment called a non-surgical facelift, which is a bit of a hocus-pocus beauty treatment. does work if you do enough of them and often enough. Right. But they were the first clinic in Australia to do microdermabrasion. Now, everybody these days knows what microdermabrasion meant. When I said, told people that I'd bought a clinic that did microdermabrasion, they looked at me like I was from outer space. And when I said it did laser, they said, what, laser eye surgery? And I went, no, 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 laser hair removal. Right. And what made you think, I can make this work? Why wasn't it like speaking Martian in I your know, mind? I know. Well, look, I'd had huge experience in the beauty industry. I'd had waxing, which is probably what most of us had experienced. That's about it. I didn't really know very much about skin treatment because you don't get trained in that as a doctor. But what I did know about was that women like to take care of themselves. And this was a clinic that was doing something very different to your traditional beauty clinic. And the laser side, I did some research and there were very few places doing it. The equipment was relative to what we've got now, not fantastic. It was the early equipment, but it worked. And the margins were great. And who was your market back then? Who was needing a lot of laser so, hair removal? This is from their, all parts of their body? Yeah, or? At, at the start of laser hair removal, it was really people for whom hair was making their life a misery. So I've still got a fantastic client who had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very common in women. So they overgrow hair. And then, of course, the 
market in Sydney in particular, but in Australia, which we were able to service later on, was the market of people from other countries. So particularly Middle Eastern women. Middle Eastern women aren't allowed to have hair anywhere. It's a cultural thing. And of course, if you look at their fathers, they're hairy, hairy beasts. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they've got that double whammy of a genetic overgrowth of hair and a culture that says women aren't allowed to have any hair. So I think also we're a beach culture. So again, women the hairless to, sort of look used to not having hair on their legs and their and their bikini lines and so that it it made a lot of sense to me that it was a good business to be in and as it turned out it was. Okay, so this was 1999. 1999. When did you start to think, oh, maybe I can grow this to more than one clinic? Well, that was really where Alana came into the picture because she came back from England in, what year was it? 2004. 2004. 2004. So how did you enter the picture, Alana? So I had a Bachelor of Media and I'd been over in London. I studied theatre for a year there and worked at the BBC doing work experience and just having a lot of fun travelling and And I came back and I thought, okay, I'm going to get a job in media. But I came back in November. I thought, but I won't get one till next year. Why don't I get a job on a desk doing something three or four days a week? Like a receptionist job. So I can go to the beach three or four days and work three or four days, you know, whatever worked. And that's when a friend of mine was working for Philippa. And she said, oh, we need a receptionist come and work for us here. And literally within one day, I was in love with what? Philippa was doing. It was an amazing business. It was obvious from the from the first day I worked there. And uh, within weeks, oh, oh, was it was just, you... I think because I was 25 at the time, or actually even 24 when I started working for Philippa, and all the women coming in were just like me. So Philippa had a really young, really young database of women. So probably between really 18 to sort of 35. And these women were coming in and they were excited about their treatment. They loved the results. You know, they loved Philippa. I think at the time Philippa was renovating her actual clinic Mm. and we were actually working in this temporary set up space, which was like a medical center. It was like the most hideous (laughs) medical center you could possibly imagine. And all day back to back, we had women coming in with big smiles on their faces. Hi, how are you going? I've got my treatment today. I loved the results. And I just thought, oh my gosh, wow, like this is a really special business. And I just knew, you know, very early and very quickly I had to do something with Philippa. And, you know, I basically said to her, I think after probably six months, I said, you know, can I do some marketing for you? And that was sort of my background. I sort of loved small business, marketing, marketing, yeah. And we had a wait list of, you couldn't get in for six weeks. So we started marketing, you just could not get in, you couldn't get an appointment. We had a pencil and a paper and a pad, you know, like literally a rubber, a pencil as the appointment book. And for six weeks, you couldn't get in. People were, you know, big borrowing steel to try and get into this book. And, and this um, is still mainly to have unwanted hair removed? Yeah, Philippa did microdermabrasion. She had acne treatments, right. yeah. anti-aging programs, but that was probably about 20% of the business, I'd say. It was mainly laser hair removal. But, you know, she also had 
her product as yeah, well. All right, before yes. we before we jump ahead, <laughs> yeah. because it's a it's a terrific journey. But Philippa, so I suppose essentially you started thinking, or did you start by thinking, well, this is a kind of a beauty cosmetic clinic, but it's medically underpinned. Even though you're not a trained dermatologist, you are a trained medical doctor. And was that a point of difference with anyone else who might have been around? I mean, you say you were the first to or one of the first to do laser removal, but there were a lot of individual beauty clinics, weren't there? Well, the thing with laser hair removal at that particular point in time was that, I mean, lasers are essentially, they're a bit scary, you know, and I can remember there was a lot of discussion around safety. For example, in, in WA, you could not operate a laser unless you're a doctor, which is kind of crazy because doctors aren't trained to operate lasers either. Part of me being involved in it was that I guess I did get the technical side of it, but also the th- the biggest thing that happened for me when I went and started actually working in the clinic at Edgecliff, the original clinic, was that I noticed that a lot of the people that were coming in for laser hair removal had acne. And I said, I can remember saying to the staff, what are we doing for their acne? And they go, but they're coming in for laser hair removal. And I went, no, no, they've got acne. What are we, we're meant to be a skin clinic. What are we doing for their acne? And they all looked at me very, you know, well, nothing. And I think that probably, I think the ability to see kind of holistically that it wasn't just about hair removal, that obviously you look after the entire person that probably was the biggest thing that set us apart and probably still sets us apart from other clinics is that I took a very holistic approach and it wasn't just about looking after this, we looked after the whole person. And that led me on a journey because, as I said, I didn't have any skin training. I, I remember my first skin training I actually did with a an American guy who had a skincare business, quite a famous skincare range. And he came out to Australia and did some lectures. But again, he was talking beauty mumbo jumbo, you know, and I needed to get to the medical stuff. So I literally had to go and sit in the library at New South Wales Uni and read, you know, as you pre, well, internet was around, but it wasn't what like it is now. So, you know, to look at journals, you went to the library still. And I can remember I read the studies and I was looking for what worked because that was what my brain, and that was the great thing of having worked in hospitals. You know, I'd worked with all these amazing clinicians who really understood best practice, who really lived and breathed best practice. So it was in my DNA already that if I was going to do this, I wasn't going to do the beauty mumbo jumbo version. I was going to do what actually worked. And so that took me to America. I actually did a course with a very famous American dermatologist called Zen Obagi. Called? Zen Obagi. Ah. And he wrote all the original protocols for using Retin-A. And he had a particular interest in acne as well. So, And sorry, Retin-A is what? So Retin-A is tretinoin. So tretinoin was a prescription vitamin A cream and it was discovered in the 1980s. And I can remember reading about it in the 1980s because it was this miracle cream that rejuvenated the skin. And it still is the gold standard. It's the best skin rejuvenator in the world and it's cheap. Wow. So I came back from America absolutely 
it was like I felt like I'd been given the the key to the mystery of life. And I started practicing his protocols with my fledgling acne practice. And then, of course, because I had all these women who were coming in for, you know, beauty treatments, I started practicing on them as far as rejuvenating their skin was concerned. And it was amazing. I mean, the results we got were amazing. So was this to treat acne or just to rejuvenate aging skin? And that's the incredible thing about tretinoin is that it's an anti-acne drug, but it's also a skin rejuvenator. So the skin rejuvenation side, they didn't start out with tretinoin as a skin rejuvenator. They just found that when they treated people with acne, their right. skin. It's the same as the Botox story. The Botox story was that it was discovered by two ophthalmologists who were injecting around the eyes and the, on old people and they came back with no wrinkles. So it's that, you know, incidental discovery of mm. something in medicine that's always so interesting. So I, I suddenly had a clinical framework that was so incredible in terms of the results I could get at a time when nobody wanted to treat acne. And that was really, for me, I guess, you know, I had had a sister who'd had terrible cystic acne. So it was something for me that was really, I felt like I was doing something really important, but that medicine considered cosmetic and therefore not important. Yeah. So at this stage, you're still in the one clinic. Still in the one clinic. Did you have a couple of employees? Were you teaching these treatments to other doctors? No. At that stage, I was pretty much just building my own practice. And because, you know, it is literally practice in medicine, you know, you've got to do it over and over and over again until you get it right. Yeah. And remarkably, we, we had a big acne practice. And then I was on Today Tonight, talking about my acne treatments. And it happened to be around the time of the Australian Open final. And the show kept getting put off and it got put off for a whole week, but the promos ran every night. So when it finally ran on Friday night, the next day, literally our phones exploded. I got 2,000 emails in two weeks. Alana actually wasn't even working for me at the time, but came in, bought her whole family virtually to come and pack product, send product. We ran out of product. It was just... We just had to answer the phone. The phone, it was like people on hold for eight hours. Yeah. (laughs) So in fact, was that really one of those leapfrog steps that happened? I was going to say to you, how did you... Well, we've probably jumped ahead again a bit. How Mm. did you go from one to two clinics and and three and four? Alana can tell that story. Yeah. So basically... I started doing some marketing for Philippa and you couldn't get into the clinic. And I said to her, Philippa, I want to be part of this. I'd love to do a clinic with you. I said, I'll do all the work, but let's pick up this wait list and put it in a new clinic. Yeah. So the second clinic we had was in Bondi Junction. In Sydney. In Sydney. And it was, you know, at the time we weren't a retail. It wasn't a retail. We're all upstairs. We're tucked away. We're hidden. So that was usually how these cosmetic clinics were done. They were hidden so people couldn't see, you know, who was coming in and out. It was a bit more secretive. And basically we picked up that wait list and we put them in Bondi Junction and it just took off. So the treatments, the products, what Philippa was doing, you know, it was just hugely popular. And it was my job to run it, you know, sort of to make sure it stayed busy, to market it, to run the team, to manage the team. And that's when I started managing Philippa's clinics, you know, and But that's a big leap for you, having done the the marketing as uh, the communications degree. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess what happened to me in my personal life at the same time is I fell pregnant and got engaged. So I actually never, because I used to work in Philippa's clinic. I used to be on desk, then I started managing it, then doing marketing, but always working in the in the clinic. So when we opened the first clinic, I actually knew I wasn't going to be working there myself in there. So I had to write systems and processes to be able to run it when I'd had the baby from home. Right. So all of a sudden my role really changed. So, cause I, I didn't want to come to, I didn't want to leave my baby at six weeks. I wanted to sort of be there and have some time at home with my baby. So I had to write, okay, how do I want them to open the clinic? How do I want to greet people? How do I want them to, you know, run the day? How do I somehow build training that enables me not to be there and get these girls to do run the clinic as you know, I was running it and Philip and I were running it. And then what checks do I need to have in place to make sure things are going well? Yeah, and make sure those standards are the highest quality. Exactly. So when I did it once, I said to Philippa, um, we could do this again, you know. We could easily replicate this again because, I'd, you know, we had all the systems in place to be able to you know, for me to be able to run this while I wasn't actually in the clinic all day. So, you know, it just went from there. So the third one was in Parramatta and they were just hugely successful. I think we're making our money back within seven months on the clinic. So how were you funding it? And was it literally just the two of you? Did you bring other helpers in either as backers or early investors? So my my dad, who's very entrepreneurial himself and had always run his own businesses and always talked to me about business. So I think I was probably destined to do the same thing as him. So he came into the first clinic we expanded, Bondi Junction. And that's when we changed. At the time, we, it wasn't called Clear Skin Care. And I said, Philippa, let's call them Clear Skin Care Clinics after your products. Sort of that was where we both sat down and we spoke about what are we going to call this. And the old name and brand, you know, I just didn't think it was, it was right. I think it was nice to bring the products, the treatments, everything together. So we called it Clear Skin Care Bondi Junction. That's where we changed the name. So my dad was invested, I think, 25% in the first one or maybe a bit more. I'm 25%. Yeah. And was that like 10 grand, 50 grand? Oh, no, something. was it probably about 50? Yeah. yeah. So not a huge amount of money. Not a huge amount. We, I bought him out after a year. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Much well to done. his dismay. Oh, yes. my goodness. That well was, done. <laughs> I think he just gave us the confidence yes. to go ahead and do it. But I'll still remember you and, and Tony came over to my house and it was a Sunday afternoon and we just sat outside and had a bit of a chat and Tony just wanted to know a little bit about the business, what sort of margin. And it literally was, you know, well, that all sounds good. He obviously had complete faith in Alana, which I think as a parent for a child is just, you know, that's that's the magic. And Alana had complete faith in me <laughs> and we've never had a contract between us and we just, you know, You've never had a contract. We've never had a contract. That no, is we didn't so have- interesting because it's mm. obviously become a very big going concern. Yeah. 
Well, we did in the end. I think we had to. Well, we had we had to have down, contracts yes, down the track. Yes, down I understand that. But between yes. you, but between no. us two, we've never had a contract. It was all a handshake. Always yeah. wanted a handshake. So your dad came in, said, "Oh yeah, I like that chat on the Sunday afternoon. She's <laughs> yes. okay, that Philippa." Yes. Um, and what he gave you the dough, fifty grand or something like I that. Think I borrowed it him. He he's never given me a dollar in my life. I've had to pay interest on it, or you know. So I think I paid interest on it. For, so he's tough too. He's tough. <laughs> I think I was, he did do good deals with us. He did a great deal with us, <laughs> and he was a big supporter of us always. But yeah. you know, he it was a good lesson. Yes, you don't get anything for free, and you've got to work hard for it, and you've got to make it happen. And he wanted assurances too. And I think it was a great lesson. You know, it was he didn't give me the money. He gave me the money because he believed in me, but he believed in the business. He believed in Philippa, and that's why he was our supporter. And he gave us the confidence. You know, Philippa and I he gave us the confidence to do it. Yeah. Really. So after Bondi Junction. Did you have a business plan or even to take to Tony Longes? Did you have a business plan to take to him, Philippa? Later we did. Later, and Alana always did. She was good at that. I guess the reason that our partnership has worked so well is that we actually have very different skills. Mm. Complementary, obviously. But very complementary. Mm. So Alana's very much systems, very much, you know, marketing and sales. Well, very, very strong marketing, but also you know, just some of that detail stuff, whereas I'm bigger picture. I mean, I am have to do detail stuff, obviously, you know, but business plans always struck me as a bit of a waste of time <laughs> to do, which is well, probably, probably bad. <laughs> well, you probably had it all in your <laughs> own in head, head and yeah. you did your own thing. But yeah. when you start to grow, yeah. you have to be able to either convince bankers or investors or whomever. We, we probably didn't do our first business plan until we were talking to our first private equity, potential private equity purchaser. So that was fair way down the track. All right. Well, we won't go down too far in the future. Then how did Parramatta go? You said it went really well. Just, Just can you paint me a picture of what it was like when you opened those doors, say in oh, Parramatta, because so you'd obviously had Bondi Junction, that had done well as well. Yes. Well, Parramatta was a different, actually, what would happen is we would have clients, so we'd analyse the database and say, where are people travelling from? And we had a lot of people from Parramatta because what happens in Parramatta is you get one client, she brings her sister, her auntie, her cousin, her boyfriend's sister, and, you know and everyone else in the family. So you get these big groups of women turning up. So we really strategically opened where people were travelling from initially and it probably wasn't really till we did Melbourne, you know, that we started without a database and had to do it from scratch. When about is this? So we did Parramatta, then we did Cremorne, then we bought a beauty clinic in Leichhardt, which eventually we had to move. Then we went to the city. Yes. Of Sydney, right. So we we definitely had to have marketing. So we'd always open with a handful of clients that came from another clinic and then you'd grow from there. So my big focus was local marketing, you know, sort of using your current database and running promotions to get them to bring other locals in, people that work in the area, live in the area, and we did a lot of events. So, I mean, that yeah, was my- events. <laughs> yeah, we did we did loads and loads of events and- I just, you know, it was it was such a fun business to market and I think our clients were so excited about what we were doing and it's because Philippa's treatments and products were just so exciting. You know, it was all so new and it was, it's like Philippa said, it was the beginning of when it was all sort of taking off. The wave. So it was the and wave. And you rode that and then wave. We had, we had a client who came to us from that Today Tonight show in Brisbane and 
she and her husband came down to see Alana and I, and they said, we want to open a clinic in Brisbane. Now, the problem in Queensland is, again, it has different rules to New South Wales and Victoria. You had to have a license to operate a a laser. So I said to Josephine, you get the license and we'll come and open in Brisbane. So bless her heart. She was someone who'd been running restaurants her whole life. She turned around and got herself a laser license. And she'd never done science. She had to learn about lasers. She had to learn about laser safety because she had to be our laser safety officer. So essentially, the qualification was to become a laser safety officer that gave you an operator's license. And I think she had to sit the exam three times, but she was determined to get this license and she got it. I think it took about nine months or a year for her to get it. And then we opened in Brisbane, yes, because yes. the GFC intervened. I was gonna, <laughs> so was that about 2008, nine? Or so that we went we to Queensland mid-2000s. Bonai Junction opened in yeah, 2005. Five, so it's probably just before the GFC. And then we were going to go, Alana had and I had gone down and walked the streets in Melbourne trying to find premises, which was a real challenge. And then the GFC hit. We had a lot of our clients lose their job. And so we went, mm, we just better hold off on Melbourne. But we only held off for literally about six or eight months. We didn't hold off that long. Well, what we were amazed at is how the GFC didn't really massively impact. I was going to ask business. you, was that a no. sort of a hurdle? So that was like, right, okay, we're having it. There's yeah, a, hold you on. Know, <laughs> we're, we're, there's a sort of, you know, recession coming and it's all, everyone's Demon being hit corner. hard. And oh, here we are. We're going fine. You know, this is, okay, let's go. Let's do this. So we really started opening clinics then. If I can paint a picture of in the early days in the new sites like Parramatta when we first opened and even in Brisbane, we opened on a street called Adelaide Street, is after probably three to six months, these clinics would get this energy in them. You know, there's women coming in and coming out. And when you were sitting in those receptions, you know, you just couldn't believe how busy it was, you know, and just these clinics full of excited clients, the therapists working there, there was this real energy about the business and you knew it was a special, a special business, you know, and that's why in a way, Philippa and I, you know, were obligated to open more of these to bring this to as many places in Australia that we could, you know, and that's where it does get really challenging because how do you grow, scale up and and keep that special energy and culture and, you know, the quality of treatments and and um, we were really lucky in Brisbane because we had Josephine who, you know, was really passionate about what we were doing and sort of kept that standard for us, that customer service, that quality of treatment, you know, that energy in the clinic, running the team. But, you know, it was a really exciting business to come in as a client and also to work in. So sort of on the side of that, but still incredibly important, is the quality of the products. So did you ever want to go the doctor route, as in training other doctors to do it, or did you bypass those people and go for younger women therapists and train them up? Or And, and then you were researching the products, weren't you, mm. Philippa, yourself? So the product story was that when I came back from America, Dr. Abaji had his own line of products. So I actually became one of his distributors in Australia. The only trouble was the Aussie dollar was at about 45 cents. So 
his products were really expensive. And my acne clientele were mostly women in their early 20s. So they didn't have a lot of money. So I started making products in the kitchen at Edgecliff and taught myself how to make products. So I had the Abaji products and then I had the home brand, which were in little plastic pots with, you know, stickers on them that I'd- Handwritten almost. Well, um, you know, sent through one of those. You get the labels from the news agent and you do it on the on the printer. So they were pretty basic. Rudimentary. Very rudimentary. And the funny thing was that we'd have the, the desk and clients would be buying the Abaji products and then the girls would be running in to get my products out of the fridge for the the acne clients and the women, you know, they don't miss a trick and they go, what's that? And the girls would say, oh, that's the home brand. And they'd go, what's the difference? And they'd go, difference like this. And they no, got I, want, difference. I want the home brand. So the home brand kind of suddenly took on a life of its own. And the thing was that there's only so much product you can hand make. So I started looking for a manufacturer. This was probably 2001. And I did my first run of manufactured products. I had six products in the range. And I did my first manufacturing run in 2002. And I remember they delivered all the boxes to my house and it took up a whole room. So there were boxes to the ceiling in this room in the house. And I'm going, oh my God, what have I done? How am I going to sell this? I'm going to sell all this stuff. (laughs) But miraculously I did. So over time, I kind of refined and added to the range as I found products that, you know, did actually did something. Because the big thing that I learned with the, with most beauty products is they actually don't do anything at all. And there's a reason for that. The manufacturers don't want reactions in the skin, whereas I wanted reactions in the skin. I wanted it to actually do something. And the minute you start doing something to the skin, you are going to get reactions. And so you mean reactions, some good, some bad? Most, or yeah. You mean yeah. some bad reactions until you, it becomes good, get, like redness or blotches? Yeah, you blotches might get some or, redness, you might get some flaking, you might get some itching, but it's training people to realise that that's not bad, that's actually good, and it will settle. I mean, obviously, occasionally you get an allergic reaction and then that's a different kettle of fish, but the majority of those reactions, for example, if you have a skin peel, you know, you're going to go a bit red, your skin might flake a few days later, but that we now know that's all normal and good and expected. So it was kind of training the staff and training the clients to understand that we actually wanted to change their skin. So the product range, initially, I had this ridiculous idea that I was going to sell it into Asia. And so I did a couple of big conferences up in Hong Kong. And it became increasingly obvious to me that that was a really hard road to go down. And so then I started, I guess, trying to concentrate on Australia and training Australian doctors in how to do it. And that was a really hard road as well, because most doctors aren't terribly interested in treating the skin. Even dermatologists aren't that interested in cosmetic dermatology. So it was probably around that time. I remember in 2005, I was traveling into Asia and I was sitting in some godforsaken hotel in Taipei and thinking, I hate flying. I hate being here. I just want to be home. And we'd opened Bondi Junction and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to concentrate on our clinics and training our staff to be, you know, the best possible therapists that they can be. 
And even with that, it took another probably five or six years. And then another thing happened that really allowed our skin business to take off. Which was? I found a treatment for acne in Asia that is a treatment that uses radiofrequency to get rid of the sebaceous glands that cause acne. So that was a huge breakthrough and suddenly took us from being laser hair removal clinics predominantly. So probably Edgecliff always was, you know, 50-50, but the other clinics were probably 90%, 10%, 90% laser hair removal, 10% skin. And suddenly once we had that treatment and suddenly we had to learn how to train our therapists properly in skin, that we became a skin and laser clinic. And we're still probably the only truly skin and laser clinic in Australia. How were you convinced that this acne treatment was actually effective and safe? So I was again at that same big convention in Hong Kong with Josephine, our Brisbane business partner. I was looking for treatments. She was looking for new products because she had started a makeup line And she was in this stand and she was, you know, talking to someone and I was bored out of my brain, you know, I'm just, because I'm not very good at these things. I'm good for about four hours and then I just, it's all too much. And I looked, literally looked down and there was a poster and it was almost underneath a table. It was like you you couldn't have At a trade show. You couldn't have put it in a less obvious place if you tried. And it said... Selective thermolysis of sebaceous glands. So thermolysis means killing by heat. So with lasers, we kill the hair follicle with the heat of the laser. It's targeted, passes through the skin, targets the colour in the hair base of the hair follicle, and it's literally like zap, 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 zap until the hair follicle's gone. So I understood the whole concept of you know, burning something out. Like we, when we take a mole off the skin, we burn it off. And so here was something that was talking about selective thermolysis of sebaceous glands. I'm an acne doctor. And I went, oh, what's that? And the guy that was running the stand was Korean. And I started talking to him and he showed me a video. And he showed me a video of a Japanese dermatologist doing this treatment with a little diathermy machine. And I just knew. I just knew that this was going to work, like the science was right. And it was, again, it was just one of those moments of eureka moment. You know, I had been searching for something to treat acne with. And, I mean, I had I had a really, really, really big acne practice and I still had probably reams of people who I just kept their acne under control. So you couldn't really couldn't get rid of it fix up it. to that time. Couldn't get rid of it. Roaccutane. And was that through, yes, through the use of drugs? 40% failure rate in women. Fantastic in males, terrible in women. So I had a massive female adult acne clientele who had chronic grumbling acne that was ruining their lives. So I had this massive group of people that needed the treatment and here's the treatment. And I'm like, oh my God. So I literally, I flew to Korea 
That was November. I flew to in what year? Two thousand and eleven. I flew to Korea in January two thousand and twelve. It was so cold. And because we went for a walk outside and we had to go inside because it was too cold to stay outside, even though it was, you know, clear, sunny skies. And I just spent a few days with this Korean doctor because the Japanese dermatologist had actually died. And their whole way that they designed their treatment was too expensive. They were charging a thousand US dollars per treatment. And just like laser, I knew that you'd need multiple treatments. So that just wasn't going to work for anyone in Australia. So I, and I said that I was very open and honest with them. And I said, look, I think your business model's wrong. I think you can't charge a thousand dollars a treatment. It's got to be much more affordable because you need six to 10 treatments. And I kept going with, with my way. And we introduced it into the clinics in 2012. And it was amazing. So Alana, was that a massive step up? It was a massive step up. So the beauty about, I mean, what I've loved working with Philippa is, is she's constantly looking for that next thing. And, and acne is one of the things she's discovered, but it's also she's anti-aging treatments, you know, all the, I think we have like maybe eight different machines in our clinics now that Philippa's researched hundreds of machines to find that one that does that particular treatment and does it really well. And we do it for basically our model was always to take a treatment that really works and then do it for a price everyone can afford. So that was really what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring cosmetic treatments that work to all women, yeah, no so matter how much you was a big thing big, for you. Big, big thing. But the acne treatment was a bit of a game changer, was definitely a game changer because it was it was changing people's lives, firstly. So, you know, we were always offering treatments that women loved, but this was a whole new level because acne is such a debilitating treatment and it really grew our skin business. So I'd say we we've ended up, you know, I think by the time a few years ago, we were really a 50-50 laser and skin business, probably pushing 60-70% skin because those treatments were sort of what other people weren't offering. It really set us apart from what the competition were doing. No one was doing acne like we were. Well, really, the only acne treatment on the market at the time that was offering these sorts of results was Rakutane. And Rakutane's quite... It's a really, it's really, a really horrible hard, drug. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a potent drug. It's very it's potent. potent. Yeah. And it treats your whole body. It dries out your whole body. It makes you really sun sensitive. You know, I think there has been sort of, you know, cases of people getting depressed mm. while they were on it as well. So people were very cautious about going onto yeah. it. So, you know. So your treatment is totally non-oral yeah, medications. No and you see, that was the other big breakthrough for me because I was having to use drugs to treat a lot of these clients because, you know, there was only so much I could do with skin creams. There were no lasers that worked because I literally trialed everything. I trialed absolutely everything that came on the market. And there were always, you know, things coming on the market saying they could do this and do that. And we tried them all. And we we didn't just try them because we had such massive numbers of people. You know, we really were doing serious trials of different, you know, modalities. And I was still using a lot of hormone therapy in women, which, you know, it's got pluses and minuses. A lot of women are on the pill anyway, and the pill can be very effective for acne, but some women come off it and their skin just goes totally crazy. So, you know, I didn't like to put a woman onto the pill just because she had acne. So for me, it really enabled me to offer something that was a non-drug solution. 
Join me next week on Build It Thou Come for part two of my chat with Dr. Philippa McCaffrey and Alana Longes, where they reveal how they manage the scale-up of clear skincare clinics while maintaining strong quality control. I'd love you to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us. And please subscribe to Build It Thou Come and share it with your friends and networks. I'll see you next week.